When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the hump day edition of the yard, guys, it's cold. Ladies, it's cold. And it looks like we're getting a little bit of relief here in the greater Starkville area as temperatures have finally gotten above freezing. Some of the stuff's kind of melting off, but... uh, Still going to be dealing with some uh, some sludge and all that good stuff. So be careful out there on the roads. It's one of those things, too, like you look at, uh, you know, tonight, you know, it's going to be cold again. Still going to be under freezing, so keep those, keep those faucets dripping. Tomorrow, though, a high of 46. Yeah. You get a little stir crazy. It's just me. I mean, I, I mean, I'm I, listen. I'm the kind of guy I can sit here and write all day and interview coaches and players and things like that. I can do all that, but uh, I miss being able to just kind of jump in the car and ride down the road and go get a snack or something. Just kind of get out of the house. I know I don't know how it is for you guys, but uh, for those of you that can't work remotely, be extremely careful out there. We need you on this side of the grass. We don't need you getting into uh, any unnecessary travel and. Uh, have damage to you or your vehicle that's that's the last thing we want so uh, be sure and be careful uh, be sure to take care of yourself your animals uh, we're gonna make it kids we're gonna make it and then of course uh, on Sunday uh, Saturday and Sunday lows under the 20s again not quite as bad as we've had but still uh, there is uh, help on the way though is uh, next week we'll be uh, back into the 50s and 60s as we start getting ready for baseball yeah, looking forward to talking to some baseball with you guys. we got a lot of basketball talk today on the show. Even got uh, you know, a bit of controversy in women's basketball. How about that? A little women's basketball controversy. Who knew that we'd have something quite so spicy at this point in the season? Uh, but we'll, we'll discuss that in our first segment of the show. We'll preview Kentucky. Uh, we'll look ahead at uh, spring enrollment, guys. The guys are already here. The university has not issued a release just yet as they're waiting for a couple of clearances. It's just a matter of paperwork. You know, it is. We'll get to that, kind of preview that uh, here on the show, too. And uh, probably not going to have that announcement today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. Uh, so we'll share that with you uh, once we have it. we got a story ready to go. But uh, there, there are always some changes. Like there was some, name, it was a name yesterday that was not given to me that today was given to me. So all just kind of working through all that. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, and for good reason. I do business with winners. I would never like do business with just some paltry business and say, "Hey guys, go here." No, no, no. You know better. Bulldog Burger Company is the king of the great restaurant quality hamburger. You know as well as I do, when you have an opportunity to go sit there and put your feet under their table, you're going to get a great meal at a great price, great atmosphere, great service, great desserts, and of course those spring rolls. Get those spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. It's true. Trust the science. 
And of course, pick out the burger that, that kind of fits your mood today. I've told you, I've had a bit of a hankering for those Sloppy Joe sliders here as of late. We're going to take care of that sooner rather than later. Get uh, get the roads clear, right? We'll get in there and we'll get that taken care of. And I'm going to get that chocolate shake, probably in the Nutella shake to go. That's probably the route I'm going to go. I'm a big advocate for dessert to go. You should be as well. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's bring you up to speed on kind of what's happened in the world here. Uh, Gino Ariyama, legendary women's basketball coach at UConn. You may recall that uh, we beat them. Yeah, we, we did. We ended their streak, sent everybody home crying. It was a great moment, arguably the biggest moment in women's college basketball history. Even though we didn't win an AFL championship, we played for it. But probably not a bigger moment ever in women's basketball. Morgan William, our favorite, makes the big shot. Of course, the year before, State had lost by 66 points to the same UConn team in a Sweet 16. We battled back. We beat them and have a chance to go to play for a national title. And I don't know what Gino's beef is, but uh, basically he was asked about kind of the state of women's college basketball. And what's impactful about the statement is much of what Gino said is correct. It's a much different dynamic these days. And, of course, UConn kind of is above some of that, right? Because you go to UConn, it's kind of like playing Alabama football, right? You go there because they are the cream of the crop. That's the opportunity you want. So a lot of the stuff that's happening happening kind of in, in college athletics, UConn is somewhat immune from that because people are willing to pay their way to go play for UConn because it's a legendary program. It's true. But as he continued to kind of work through his comments here, he kind of stepped into um, something that involved with us. And, uh, and, of course, Sam Purcell and, uh, and the Mississippi State folks have, uh, have responded. So here is, uh, here, here's the comment in case you don't know. How do you coach an environment where players believe they owe you nothing, you owe them everything? A lot of people probably feel that way. I, I know it's difficult to coach these days. And I think the transfer portal windows help because before, you know, you hurt somebody's feelings, they go get in the portal, and by midnight they've got everybody throwing money at them. But here is what happened. Gino says you've got a player that's really, really, really good and that you coach the hell out of and you just made them who they are, like Seton Hall last year. And the kid goes, yeah, well, I think I can go make more money somewhere else. Okay, well, you wouldn't have been this good if it weren't for the coaching staff you have right now. Probably some truth in some of that. But to single out Lauren Park Lane, even though he didn't mention her by name, it was certainly inferred and implied that's who he's talking about. Lauren goes on her social media accounts and says, To say I left my four-year university for money is reckless. Now, I don't know what you guys know about NIL. There's not a ton of NIL demand on the women's side of things. There's just not. 
That's just the reality of which we're, we're, we're living in right now. Lauren Park Lane played four years at Seton Hall, was outstanding for them, put in four years, and then sought to be a grad transfer somewhere else. And ultimately that proved to be Mississippi State. And so this is all kind of bubbled up today. And uh, Katie Jones, who's a strength and conditioning coach at State, kind of lashed out on Twitter. You keep my point guard's name out your mouth. <clears throat> she transferred as a grad transfer. Last I checked, dedicating four years of your eligibility to a university is a completion of the agreed-upon commitment. She wants to compete for championships, not a paycheck. Now, one could argue Mississippi State hadn't competed for a championship in, in a few years. It's fair. I don't know Lauren Park Lane's motivations for coming to Mississippi State, but we're happy to have her, and clearly Sam Purcell and the staff did a great job recruiting her, a very accomplished young lady with four years of eligibility exhausted, playing at a high level. And now she comes here and has done a good job. And so I don't know what she did uh, to deserve a comment like that, even if it's one of those kind of you know, backhanded comments or whatever, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that you would single out this player. And so today, ironically, Sam Purcell and Lauren Park Lane met with the media. Perfect timing, right? Have a chance to respond to those comments. And so... And here's another thing, too, I thought was really interesting. He says, well, you wouldn't have been that good if it wasn't for the coaching staff, so it becomes transactional. Now, that may be the case for some players, but he doesn't know that about Lauren Park Lane. No clue at all. But the implication was obvious. Now, here are some comments, and you can read the Dave Murray's article in its entirety. Uh, here's what Sam Purcell said. I got a chance late last night to listen to it. You know what? A lot of the comments he made were actually right, and he's true about it. He's right. That's correct. The problem was at the end, the assumption and the reference to Seton Hall. So we don't know if he's speaking to her, but now I'm going to speak for her. Lauren Park Lane is an absolute winner. Everybody's talking about the negatives and some of those statements. The one thing I'm upset about as her head coach is nobody is talking about what makes her so special and so good. Lauren Park Lane defines what is great about college athletics. Some great points there. Earned her degree, spent four years in, and then has a year available left. And Lexi, you know what? I just want to go somewhere else and experience something different. And probably really good for her basketball career as well to be able to come play in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, there, there are some absolute monster teams. You know, South Carolina and LSU are two that just jump right out. A chance to play those teams and compete against this brand of athlete probably does a lot for her development, even though she's at the end of her career, college-wise. But to basically single her out is just really, really poor form. Really, really poor form. And so... Here are her comments. I'm new to Mississippi. This is my first time in Mississippi ever. I don't know any. I didn't know anybody before coming here. So it was a leap of faith I took coming here. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I, I was just having a good support system around who care about you and generally want to see you do 
uh, do good helps uh, in, the, in the most way. Purcell responds, she was granted an extra year that she's taken advantage of. We're lucky to have her. She's a role model for every student athlete that wants to pursue higher education and go on to bigger things. And so the whole thing about Mississippi State being drawn into this conversation, which is, again, very interesting. Purcell says, honestly, it makes me feel good. I didn't have to do this from our – this is Lauren Park Lane talking about this. Um, Coach Purcell didn't have to do this for me. He wanted to. He took a leap of faith with me, too, out of the portal. He, he has all the faith in me, and it shows on the court now. And, uh, you know, Purcell kind of wraps it up saying they got respect for Gino, as everybody does. I don't think this needs to be an attack on Gino. I think it was the feedback social media provides or people assumed and got involved. Well, to be fair, Coach Purcell, it, it's not a, a, too far a bridge between his comments and the note he was talking about our player. And that's why I'm here to stand up today, said Purcell. If you want to assume about anything, I want to make sure you don't talk about my kids. Let's assume we share the right story. Uh, so a lot of uh, discussion a lot of discussion about this. And, uh, you know, what does this mean for Mississippi State? And, by the way, we'll have the full video over on the front of jeanspage.com a little bit later. But, uh, you know, it's just so interesting that um, Lauren Park Lane was kind of singled out here. I, I, I don't know the history between Seton Hall and, 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 and UConn. I, I don't know. I don't know if <clears throat> Gino's just kind of looking out for, uh, for a coaching peer Maybe perhaps a friend. But uh, the comments on social media on both sides don't make anybody look really good, to be honest with you. And that's usually the case, right? People are coming out, well, what championships is she competing for at Mississippi State? I don't know what her options were. Maybe you do. I don't know if Mississippi State was just a better opportunity because the point guard's spot was essentially wide open. But the reality of it is, is that there were a lot of things that Gino said that made a lot of sense. You know, but for her, for him to go out there and kind of target a Mississippi State player kind of forces Coach Purcell to have to respond. I think Coach has handled it well. I think he has to get out there and acknowledge it. And I, and I commend the Mississippi State administration for making Lauren Park Lane available to address this herself. I mean, how many times in the past where somebody's name is in the paper and it's associated with something, you know, that's a little bit negative or controversial, they just say, you know what, we're going to protect the player. But instead, they said, you know what, she's mature enough, she's responsible enough, we're going to give her a chance to respond to these allegations herself. And I thought she handled it with dignity and grace. It makes me like her that much more. The fact that Gino's kind of singling her out and using her as an example for what's wrong in college athletics, and then Mississippi State provides her uh, a podium and a platform to kind of get up there and say, you know what, here's my motivation, and give her the opportunity to respond to one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's tacky. It's tacky for Geno to take this tact. I mean, it really is. For him to kind of sit here and suggest, well, you know, use this player as an example. And again, I don't know all his motivations behind it, but um, 
I thought it's important for us to kind of have a dialogue about this because there are a lot of you that aren't really, you know, you don't really keep up unless we're winning big. Uh, women's team's playing well right now. You know, a couple of big wins last week. Got a big game this Thursday against Tennessee, and this is just a distraction. So let's go ahead and get this handled. And Lauren Parkland even said that I'm going to address this, and then the rest of my time is going to be about Tennessee. I respect it. This is a young lady that we should be proud of. Even though she's just here for a year, and even though she comes in and, you know, she'll probably be recognized as a Seton Hall alum, as she should be. But the fact that she's the one that singled out, I think is unfair. Just my take on it, you may feel differently. But again, let's not, you know, that's the problem I think I've got with the biggest message, not just the fact that he targeted a student athlete at another school, but in addition to that, it really kind of makes everything else he said kind of fall on deaf ears because people are like, now wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Why are you going after this young lady? His comments, well intended as they may have been prior to that, as Sam Purcell says, are probably accurate. It's a different dynamic. And as I mentioned before, UConn's not dealing with the same things that maybe we're dealing with, or Ole Miss or Kentucky women's basketball. Maybe that it's a different deal. Because a lot of our, our programs are kind of viewed as, you know, mid-level programs right now. We're not at the upper crust like we were a few years ago with Vic Schaefer. Just kind of call it for what it is. But I think it's important for us to kind of understand that, yeah, there's some truth in what he says, but you can make your point about the state of college basketball and what NIL and transfer, you can make those points without getting personal and then to even stop short of saying her name. I mean, it's like, well, I never said her name. Well, yeah, there's only, there's only one, right? And so that, that's my thing, just own it. If you want to go out and say Lauren Park Lane, say Lauren Park Lane. But don't just sit out here and kind of allude to her and then expect them not to respond. I'm curious to see if and when UConn has anything to say about this forward, moving forward. Probably not. But one of the best points that I saw somebody make on social media, and I don't know if this is talked about enough. And so, so let's say, for an example, one of our children, right? Uh, let's say Mia Robertson, my a very accomplished daughter Mia Robertson let's say Mia's got her undergrad from Mississippi State she can go to grad school wherever she wants to wherever she can get in she doesn't play a sport so why should student athletes let's say for an example that a student athlete is actually a really good player and doesn't have maybe pro potential in their design sport why should they be I don't know, inhibited when it comes to what they think about grad school? Why should their path be impeded? Let's say, for example, you come in here and you graduate in three years. Or maybe you have a red shirt year and you've got some eligibility left and it's like, hey, i got to pay for grad school. I'm going to transfer to where they have the best grad school or best advanced degrees that I can get in. And shouldn't they be able to do that? I mean, that's the whole point of being a grad transfer, right? Is that they have remaining eligibility, they can then transfer, you know, without penalty. And I think it's a great point. I don't remember who made it, but they said, you know what? They, you know, why should a student athlete be penalized because they play a sport when 
grad school is what's important to them. And there are some people like that. You can say, but Steve, you know, this is, listen, come on, it's NIL and transfer portal. Yeah, yeah, there's some of that. But especially like in a, in a sport like this, like in women's basketball, I mean, there's not a ton of money to be had anyway, right? And to suggest that Lauren Park Lane just simply left Seton Hall because of money, because we're in the Southeastern Conference, I think is very short-sighted. You know, what if this is a situation where Mississippi State just simply had a graduate program that she was interested in, more so than some of the comp- competition? But I think it's an interesting point and a question worth asking. Just because somebody plays a sport doesn't give you ownership of them. If they get into a situation where they need to advance their education and get an advanced degree, you know, why should anybody at Seton Hall or UConn or wherever say, you know what, this just shouldn't happen. They should stay here. You know, I, I am a student athlete's right advo- rights advocate. And I will tell you, this portal thing has gotten out of control. The, the NIL more so than the portal. Because if you just had the transfers in and of itself, that'd be enough. But when you when you couple NIL with it and you basically made cheating legal, uh, it's a different dynamic. But this situation, to me, is much, much different. Much, much different. So that's my take on it. Maybe you disagree. That's okay. I, I think Gino is completely out of line. I, again, respect Sam Purcell for standing up for his player. Not that expecting thing different. But also, too, I, I respect Mississippi State for making her available. But to be honest with you, that's not the Mississippi State way. We normally don't do things like that. And so I, I like the fact that she was given a chance as an adult to go in there and respond. Says a lot about her character. Says a lot about Mississippi State's belief and confidence in her. But I think it's great. In a very negative situation, it was very national. And then, lo and behold, next thing you know, she's in front of a microphone, able to speak her piece, and then Sam Purcell is able to defend his player. Outstanding, outstanding all the way around. And, again, I think the way that everybody on the Mississippi State side handled this is great. The one thing that I will say, if I can offer one criticism, and this is nitpicking a little bit, especially when you know Sam Purcell is going to be at the podium today, I don't think anybody else on the staff needs to be speaking. You understand what I'm saying? All due respect to everybody involved. You know, and everybody's entitled to an opinion. Everybody's got a social media account. But Sam Purcell is the voice of Mississippi State women's basketball. And so he should have been able to go out there with the, with the powder dry and talk about it. I, I don't think you want other people kind of engaging on that. And, of course, it's kind of, you know. Again, everybody's entitled to an opinion. But I know this. if uh, I would not want somebody speaking on behalf of me or my organization before I had the opportunity to do so. That's, just, that's the, only, the only thing that I would say that um, I wish it had been handled a little bit differently. I think you let the, let, let the head coach, let the big whistle handle those kinds of comments. Just, again, my personal opinion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
All right, changing gears a little bit here. Did you see the situation with Nate Oates last night? Did you see that? It didn't take long. The video's making the rounds. Maybe you're familiar with that situation. I, I, I don't know what preceded Nate Oates putting his hand on a Missouri player. And listen, it wasn't especially egregious, but you, you keep your hands to yourself, right? That's how it's supposed to work. There are people out there wearing uh, striped shirts that can handle the discipline of other players. It's not like there was a fight about the breakout. I mean, yes, there's been a heated moment, obviously. But uh, the SEC hands down a reprimand for Nate Oates. There hadn't been a whole lot of these. So here is a statement from uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. NATO's actions were unacceptable and violated the expectations for conduct and sportsmanship as established by the membership of the Southeastern Conference. Under no circumstances should a coach make intentional contact with a student-athlete on an opposing team. That's absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. You absolutely cannot go out there. And, and the video that I saw, the kid from Missouri is actually kind of backing away and has his hands to his side. It's not like it's a threatening situation. Now, this may play well in the locker room at Alabama. People say, you know what, hey, our coach is willing to stand up for us. But I'm glad to see the league stand up here because it's one of those things, too, like, they're, you know, you don't, you don't put your hands on other people unless you want trouble. And it's one thing, you know, a guy comes barreling into the sidelines, you help him up, you know, in, in the spirit of sportsmanship. But when you go out there and get in between two players and try to do the official's job – and you can see the official react immediately. Should have been a technical foul. Should have been. But uh, it's good to see some level of accountability you know, from the league. It seems like uh, I remember Rick Sansbury. You remember the great choke game against Ole Miss when Robert Kirby and those guys uh, you know, coached us through a blowout of Ole Miss and Humphrey Coliseum. You remember that? You know, Rick had to miss a game. But if you recall, you know, it, it just doesn't happen very often. But in this day and time, things have become so incredibly power-charged. When you go put your hands on somebody else, especially in a situation like that, I mean, you talk about getting out of your lane. You go get your player. You discipline your player. You don't sit there and jaw back and forth and then put your hands on an opposing player. To be honest with you, I don't think the reprimand is enough. You say, Steve, it wasn't that big a deal. Well, it sets a precedent, though. It sets a precedent. You know, listen, we've seen, you know, all this crazy stuff that's happened, you know, like in Michigan in basketball, you know, how things get absolutely uh, nuts up there. Juwan Howard, remember all this craziness that happened up there? And maybe Nate Oates got a dressing down, you know, that we're not made available. Uh, the details are not available to us. Maybe Greg Burns been involved. But um, it's good to see the league act because uh, immediately when it happened, you saw some state people like, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to happen. And really not much did happen, but at least the, the, uh, the league acknowledged the situation and said, hey, this is unacceptable. We're not going to put up with this. This can't happen again. So uh, good to see that happen. And uh, we're going to get ready to play some basketball this evening. Hope you guys are ready for that as we make a trip to, to Kentucky to Rupp Arena. Our Justin Frommer is there. We'll be covering the game for us. And uh, so we're going to get you full coverage and uh, hopefully get you a win. And uh, when we come back from the top ten list, we're going we're gonna to preview 
our ball game against Kentucky. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. The close is in closing your loan. Closing your mortgage loan out. Many times you've applied in the past, perhaps been turned down. There's nobody out there that's going to do a better job of getting you to the closing table than Blair Chandler. Thus, close with Blair. Visit his website today. Learn more about him. 22 years of experience, back-to-back-to-back, top 1% close ratios in the country. Recently made the move to Priority One Mortgage. The same level of service went with him because it is a tenant of the Blair Chandler experience. We've had several Boneyard listeners that have closed loans through Blair and given rave reviews. So you're looking to buy a home, refinance. I don't know what your needs are. Hit Blair up. He can help you navigate through the labyrinth that is underwriting and all the things that go with it. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. All right. It's cold outside. And uh, I had somebody hit me up and said, uh, it's Melanie Moody, a frequent listener to this show and a frequent recommender of great lists. Says, Steve, uh, it's cold. How about uh, songs about cold? Well, Melanie, you've come to the right place. I could have put a long list together. I'd probably get it in 25 of these. But we didn't. But songs about cold, and this could be different varieties of being cold. You know, sometimes it's uh, literally cold. Sometimes it's figuratively like people are being cold. The world is a cold and dreary place. But a pretty good list here. A lot of blues in here, a lot of blues influence. And we're going to start with number 10. My favorite Cinderella album is not Night Songs, though I do have a T-shirt that commemorates that great album. My favorite Cinderella album is the second one, Long Cold Winter. And we're going to go with um, the title track, Long Cold Winter. It's going to be a long cold winter without your love. It's true. So give it to me, right? Keep me warm. Remember the old Foghorn Leghorn cartoon? Remember that? when uh, he's, he's courting the chicken. He's like, I need your love to keep me warm. And, and it's all these, you know, pitfalls that Foghorn goes through. And uh, what happens? He gets wrapped up in bandages, and all of a sudden the, the chicken he's courting is like, oh, I've decided to choose you. Go ahead and come inside. And he goes like, oh, no, I can't do that. And she goes, well, I thought my love, you needed my love to keep you warm. And Foghorn says, no, I've got my bandages to keep me warm, ma'am. There you go. Long Cold Winter, number 10. Number 9, I could have pushed this one up a little bit, but it's probably not even in my top 10 Queen songs. But we're going to go with Stone Cold Crazy. And you may recall when they did the Electra Rubiat album, the celebration, you know, Faster Push the Cat was on there, covered Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Metallica covered Stone Cold Crazy. And to be honest with you, I think Metallica's version is actually better which almost feels like sacrilege to talk about anything from Queen being improved upon. But number nine, Queen, Stone Cold Crazy. Great track. Number eight, a little bit of a deeper track, a little bit later in the catalog. It's off the uh, end of the Great Wide Open album. We're talking Tom Petty, a guy we lost far too soon. Far too soon. Used to be Tom Petty and the Renegades. Great band. We're going out in the cold from Tom Petty at number eight. Very classic sound of Tom Petty. Number seven, speaking of classics, we're going back to one of the kings, man. One of the Delta Kings is Muddy Waters. 
the cold weather blues. And again, it's believe it or not, it's another song about a man losing his woman. But it's great, man. The spirit behind it is great. Muddy Waters vocal is great. It's just one of those things, man. That's the thing about the Delta Blues. It's just different. It has its own unique vibe and feel to it. There's so many young people today that don't fully appreciate that. Guys, rock and roll came from blues music. We talk about that from time to time. We talk about how Coverdale and people like that are, are actually blues singers. This have an amplified version of the blues. But uh, go back and listen to some Robert Johnson, some Muddy Waters, Sunhouse, people like that. I think you'll be glad you did. There's just a different air in that music. And if you ever get a chance to go up there to Delta Blues Festival, I encourage you to go be a part of that. Muddy Waters, number seven, Cold Weather Blues. Number six, a band that's no longer around. I love this band when they were out. A band called Crossfade. Great track. I think I could still pull this off vocally. Uh, it's a song called Cold. You know, and, and basically, we talk about the figurative side of things. Got kind of apologizing for not being you know, emotionally available. Never meant to be so cold. To you, I'm sorry about all the lies, but maybe in a different life. You know, It's a good track. It's a rock track. Probably the best song from Crossfade is Cold. Number five, going back to the early, early days of Fleetwood Mac. We talked about having some blues on this one. Another very blues-oriented rock classic before Lindsay and Stevie joined the band. It's Fleetwood Mac's Cold Black Night. Great track. Absolutely love it. I think you guys will too. It, it really fits our motif today. Uh, but more importantly, it's always good to celebrate kind of the genesis of some of these bands. That uh, you know, We look at them and we know the hits, right? Uh, this was a hit before they really had any hits. Number four. Band I've seen about uh, four or five times now, and every time I do, they're great. Just the other day, we were, there's a, I can't remember who they're going out with, but uh, maybe it's Breaking Benjamin and uh, Daughtry and somebody else. But anyway, as soon as I mentioned that to the bride, she goes, oh, we got to go see that Breaking Benjamin's always great. And, and it's true. Every time that I see Breaking Benjamin, uh, it is a great performance. Our, our buddy, the homie Fred Harley, who is uh, – the lead singer, Storage 24, his favorite band is Breaking Benjamin. Maybe you know Baby Fred. Maybe you don't. But uh, for you Ole Miss folks that listen to the show, whenever you get ready to check into the Clown Motel, Baby Fred will be our uh, our bellboy to, uh, to, to check in. Yeah, left and right. If you don't follow Fred on Twitter, you probably should. Fred gets a little emotional from time to time. He does. He likes to see the Bulldogs win. And when we don't win, then everybody's a clown boy. And, you know, it's, it's entertaining. It really is. But uh, Fred's heart's in a good place. If you get a chance, see Storage 24. They've added a new member, got some new music coming out. Jackson, Mississippi's on Storage 24. Last time they played at Martin's, I got the opportunity and the privilege and honor to, to introduce those guys. And uh, speaking of which, speaking of guys that I know and bands you should know, uh, this Friday night we're going to be at Dave's Dark Horse Tavern. We're going to be there late. We're going to leave there. We're going to be tired. Probably going to be a little bit uh, ear-weary as our friends. Four-way stop are playing at Dave's Dark Horse. You know, they opened Rock Vegas for me uh, a couple years ago. And uh, Ryan Purse are a very talented guy. At one point, we're going to do something together. At some point. Uh, but changing gears a little bit. Number three, you couldn't do a song about being cold without ice. 
That's right. No, it's not iced tea. It's vanilla ice. Now, I remember this like it was yesterday. It was the summer of 1990. I was in Canton, Mississippi the entire summer before I went off to Jones. And before Vanilla Ice signed with SBK Records, before it was a national phenomenon, Ice Ice Baby was on Jackson Radio nonstop, and then they played the dock. Do you remember that, people? Do you remember that? Yeah, it's true. It was an incredible show. We didn't know what we didn't know that we were about to be part of a national phenomenon out of South Beach, around Miami. The VIP posse came to the Magnolia State and ripped things up. So Ice Ice Baby, that's your number three track about being cold. Number two, getting back in a little more classic rock here. Again, kind of figuratively, we talked about in Crossfade, the guy being cold. Well, here we are on the female side. She's so cold from the Rolling Stones. I'm so hot for her, but she's so cold. How many times have we lived that line, right? We've all been through that. Sometimes you just don't feel the chemistry. Sometimes despite your best effort and all the flowers and gifts and all the creepy stuff you do you know, to, to try to court a young lady, it all just kind of falls on deaf ears. Uh, great track, still holds up to this day. She's so cold from the Rolling Stones. Number one, though, and Melanie recommended this, and there's no doubt this is number one for me. We've talked about Fawner a lot on the show last couple weeks. It's kind of one of those things that happened. Maybe something's about to happen. I don't know. But Foreigner's Cold as Ice, and I can tell you, my youngest, Ian, loves this song. I remember driving him to school when he was at Armstrong uh, Middle. And uh, I had gotten like a, def, a, a Foreigner live album, and uh, we'd listen to it on the, school, on the way to school just about every day. And this is the one he always wanted to hear, Cold as Ice. You're as cold as ice and willing to sacrifice our love. Really? Really? It's true. Great track and a very relatable topic that so many people uh, deal with regularly you know, relationships aren't always easy and the thing that I've learned about that sort of stuff is that you know if things don't end badly they typically don't end I've made peace with all my exes so I think I think I don't owe anybody any amends or apologies you, know, you go through all that when you, you know, when you recovery and you continue to take personal inventory and when given the opportunity to make amends you do so but, uh, yeah, I don't, I, there's probably some people out there that don't like me. I mean, I mean, all I got to do is log on to Twitter. But as far as, like, relationships go, I don't think there's anybody out there that harbors any ill will towards me. I don't have any ill will towards anybody. I, I think everybody that I ever dated, I hope they're doing great. hope they're happy. It's what they weren't supposed to be with me. And I think you reach a point in life and you begin to kind of realize that. It's like, you know, you don't ever just kind of turn it on and off. It's like all of a sudden, okay, now I'm going to decide to love you. No, you do you don't. And it's amazing what passes for love. <laughs> it truly really is. And I guess it's because I'm so old now. I'm so old, I kind of understand, you know. It's, uh, you got to get through the, you know, the flowers and perfume phase, and you still got to do some of that stuff as, as maintenance for your relationship to show you care and that you're thoughtful. But, uh, you know, it's just like you know, just little bitty things like this. I mean, just like the other day, I had a little bit of a rash or whatever, and I was like, asked, asked uh, the bride, I said, hey, do you know where that ointment is? She goes, no, and like the next day, she didn't even tell me, but it's on my nightstand. You know, that, that, that kind of stuff's love, right? I mean, the fact that you, you care, and you say, what's, you know, Steve, it's a small thing. That's what life's made up of, is the small things. We can look at all the big things. We can look at all the, you know, the political opinions and things like that, and even that stuff's not that important. At the end of the day, if you and I fall off the face of the earth tomorrow, the world's just going to keep on spinning. What's truly important in life is people. 
It truly is. And you think about the people in your life. You know, we, I buried my, my grandmother, my final grandparent, uh, here a couple weeks ago. And uh, was in Paul Barry and her funeral. It's such an honor to be able to do that, uh, to be able to carry somebody you love to their final resting place. And um, I've done that several times. It's never easy, but I, I used to get uncomfortable doing it. But uh, I understand now how important it is. Maybe the closer I get to death, maybe I'm, I've thought about that aspect of it. But um, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be about what you, you know, all the things you, that you have. It's going to be about the hearts that you hold, man. It's the truth. I know that's the hippie way of looking at things, but I guess I'm a bohemian when it comes to that sort of stuff. You know, so again, maybe that, that year when, um, you know, Dana wasn't around so much, she's out there in New Mexico, it begins to make you realize, you know, what's really important in life. I was so busy with so many other things, you know, and then I began to realize what really mattered most, you know. And so I share that just because of the fact that um, this is where you come for relationship advice, obviously. Um, but my point being is that any time that we get a chance to impress that upon each other, at the end of the day, it's about people. It's about people and how you make people feel. And uh, one of the things, you know, I, all this research I've done for the Duty Noble book, I, uh, I came across this incredible quote. I can't remember who it came from. But I, I plan to use it in the book. And so we'll properly attribute that. I'll go back and find it. But it says that a man has two deaths in life. And one's the day he dies. And the second is the day that his name is no longer spoken. And so you think about a guy like Duty Noble, you know, obviously his name still carries forward. And we still have an opportunity to go out there and celebrate our baseball superiority in Duty Noble Field, Right. And so in that respect, that legend will live for honor forever. Uh, and so, of course, I'm writing a book about him, too. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be writing a book about him if we didn't say his name. Let's be honest about it. If we didn't have Duty Noble Field, would there be any interest in a Duty Noble book? I would suggest no. You know, Billy Chadwick did some amazing things at Mississippi State. We're not writing the books about him. I'm going to mention him in the book. Many of you don't even know who Billy Chadwick is or was. If you've listened to the show, I've mentioned it before, but, you know, the, behind the Brown Building, there's the big lake out there. You know, you've seen it so many times, you know, coming to Humphrey Coliseum or coming to Duty Noble Field, and, and it's Chadwick Lake. It's named after Billy Chadwick. Coach Chad, as the students called him, taught PE, coached football, basket, basketball, baseball, and track. He encouraged all of the male student athletes on campus to be involved in some type of physical activity. If they didn't play varsity, he wanted them to play, you know, something. You know, they had some club teams back then too. You know, we had some, you know, a lot of things that weren't necessarily varsity that, you know, but Chadwick was really big into physical fitness, obviously, and um, accomplished some pretty amazing things here. And then he was fired unceremoniously through no fault of his own, in the Bilbo purge, Governor Bilbo, of course, um, you know, trying to throw his weight around. And so they fired Chad, and then he went to work in the registrar's office, and then eventually went to work on a debit insurance route and uh, was hit head-on by a guy that fell asleep at the wheel. And uh, his widow filed a lawsuit and uh, lost the lawsuit. They just The jury deemed it an accident. And uh, in his memory for all the things that he did for Mississippi State, we have Chadwick Lake out there. And uh, it seems like a small thing, but it's one of those things, too, because we did name that after him. It gives 
people like me a chance to tell that story. The guy gave his life for Mississippi State, his entire career for Mississippi State. And again, through no fault of his own, he was fired. So I'm glad that we did something to honor his contributions to Mississippi State, but also his memory. It's a wonderful thing. We do a pretty good job of that. We, we, we really do. We do a pretty good job of that. And it's so interesting, too, doing the research for Duty Noble. You know, you, you come across uh, President Hilburn's name. You come across President Mitchell's name, Dr. Giles' name. You know, these are, their names are on buildings, but many people have no point of reference to understand who they were or what they did here at Mississippi State. I think in many respects it's, it's part of my responsibility to tell these stories and uh, to document, write these stories. There have been some incredibly powerful and well-intended people that have worked for Mississippi State. And there are some others that uh, maybe weren't as powerful as they should have been because of the fact that we, did, we didn't have the independence for decades because we were so reliant on the state college board. And just like we saw with the Bilbo Purge, if we kind of got out of line a little bit and didn't kind of toe the line, that we would be, um, would be penalized in our funding. So it's important for those things to understand. Now, how we got from Cinderella to here, I don't know. But uh, that's the, the quality of entertainment you get here uh, on the Boneyard. But, it, again, if you have ideas for the uh, top ten list, reach out let us know. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Your best bet to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic D A W G M A T I C six seven. You can find our great list on Spotify on that same name. Still waiting for some new Motley too. I think we, I think I might have gotten bamboozled in this whole Motley thing, and I'm a little salty about it to be honest with you, um, because of the fact you know Mick Mars has already released two singles from his solo album, and it was a big thing about this on the 17th. There's no new music. You know, they've just, they're doing this whole uh, cruiseum. They've got the, uh, the new box set out, and I'm sure I'll buy it. I have to buy it on Amazon. Don't tell Dana it's coming. A uh, lot of cool stuff. The, the Shout at the Devil 40-year anniversary box set. Isn't that crazy? And you get, like, a cassette, a CD, and vinyl, and then all the demos are on vinyl. I'll probably get it, but I thought we were getting new Motley music today, and it doesn't appear to be the case. I wish, what, what are we waiting on? Nikki, let's get it going. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I still think this whole beef with Nikki and Motley is all a PR stunt. I, I, I truly believe that. Other people will say it differently. I think it is a PR stunt to try to help mix solo album, kind of gain some traction. And if you haven't heard it, the first couple tracks on that Mick Mars uh, solo album is really good. It, uh, I like it a lot. Uh, the singer from Linum is handling that. Uh, the Other Side of Mars is the name of it. There have been two singles. Uh, Loyal to the Lie was the first one. But the new one, Right Side of Wrong, I think is really, really good. They're both good. I think the Right Side of Wrong is the best one so far. So be check it out if you're a Motley fan. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I've been doing it forever and a day, man. Nobody does it better than Campus Bookmart. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, I know that you are. You know, you, you and I both know you didn't get everything you wanted for Christmas. And maybe you need to be a better boy or girl this year. But that aside, you can go to Campus Bookmart and you can get what you need. You can get what you want. Your family and friends may have disappointed you. You may have to take matters into your own hands. Go by and see their smiling faces. You may even get a uh, post-holiday hug. You never know. I get them all the time. I don't know about you, but I do. 
But if you can't make it to town for that hug or for that smile, you can visit them at campusbookmart.net. You'll still get service with a smile when you do that. And by using their online avenues, we can save you a little money. We'll save you on shipping, right? Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 absolutely incomplete. All right, time for us to, uh, to get to work now on this Kentucky preview. Guys, the Wildcats are pretty good. That's, uh, that's not breaking any news by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, hey, this Kentucky basketball team is a Kentucky basketball team. Highly ranked. Highly regarded. They're 12 and three overall, eight and one at home. So we're going to have our you're going to have our work cut out for us. They did lose to Texas A&M over the weekend, but let's take a quick look how they've gotten here. Uh, they played Germany in an exhibition in Toronto, and then turned around and knocked off Canada, and then an African team, and then a Canadian team. So four and zero in their exhibitions as they went into Canada. Pretty interesting dynamic. Came back home, played the. Uh, Blue and white game, but uh, a ton of exhibition games for them. Tons, tons. Get the regular season. They take down New Mexico State by 40. They get Texas A&M Commerce by 20. They lose to Kansas in Chicago, 89-84, and people were already calling for Calipari's head. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. They get Stonehill, 101-67. Take down St. Joseph in Rupp, 96-88. A lot of points, for sure. Uh, Marshall, 118-82 winners over the Thundering Herd. They get Miami, 95-73. They lose at home to UNC Wilmington, 80-73. I bet you didn't expect that. They take down Penn up in Philadelphia, 81-66. They get North Carolina. That's always a big game, played in Atlanta, 87-83. They get the rival Louisville Cardinals in the Yum Center, 95-76. Illinois State, 96-70. And then they get in a conference play. An absolute incredible game. They basically pull it out of the fire, 87-85, to get the first SEC win of the year. Missouri goes into Lexington. The Cats get them 90-77. They lose to A&M, 97-92, down at College Station. So we should get a very focused Kentucky team. It's going to be a 6 p.m. tip local time in Stark, Vegas, 7 p.m. in Lexington. That's game's going to be broadcast on ESPN2. Be sure and turn in, tune in to watch that. Huge game for us, for sure. And we, we beat Tennessee last week, so we'll get their full attention. And then we lost a uh, scrappy game, as you guys know, uh, against Alabama. As a team... These guys are averaging 91 points a game. They're allowing 76. We're going to need perimeter shooting to be at a premium. We're going to have to close out on shooters. We're going to have to make some shots ourselves. Uh, the three-point game for them, they're right at 40% as a team, allowing 31%. But uh, 40%, it makes perfect sense. Overall field goal percentage, just right at 50%. You know, they're going to run some good sets. They're going to get open looks. We've got to be able to play good defense to, to be competitive in this ball game. Averaging 39.1 boards a game, but giving up 37.5. Now, we are a team that traditionally rebounds really well. We're going to need D.J. Jeffries to have a big ball game for us tonight. They're dishing out 18.3 assists a game, allowing 13.7, and committing right at 
9.7 turnovers a game, forcing 13.4. We're going to see some pressure. Go ahead and be prepared for that. 126 steals on the year for them. That's 8.4 uh, per game. 83 blocks allow just 49. Quite the size advantage for sure. Uh, going to be a huge crowd tonight, more, more than likely. You know, I don't know what the weather looks like up in Lexington, but those folks are, are used to it. Tons and tons and tons of fans will turn out for this ball game. All right, let's look at some individual numbers here. Antonio Reeves averaging 18.5 a game. Is that 18.9? A lot. Sometimes we can't keep this stuff straight. We, get, we There's just so much that we do. Yeah, 18.9 a game. Yeah, that's getting it done. Rob Dillingham has started just one game for them. He's also uh, – Averaging 14.4 points a game. He does play a lot. So when he's kind of the sixth man when he doesn't start. Trey Mitchell, he started off 15 games, 12.9 points a game. DJ Wagner got uh, the one time that Dillingham started, Wagner's the one that sat. 12.8 points a game for him. And then Reed Shepard, uh, a dozen points a game for him. Also a guy that's uh, coming in off the bench, Justin Edwards, uh, a regular starter for them. Uh, right at 9.1 points a game. But uh, when you look at this, three of their five starters, excuse me, four of their five starters, three of their five starters, I was right the first time, uh, averaging in double figures. Uh, Abu Thero, part-time starter. Aaron Bradshaw, part-time starter. They're going to throw a lot at us, to uh, say the least. The, uh, the three-point marksman for them, of course, Antonio Reeves, uh, 41 of 96 for 42.7 Percent and then Reed Shepard again, a guy that doesn't start for them, 33 of 61, just over 54 percent. So perimeter shooting will be a big part of things tonight, and the fact they're shooting at home with those uh, very familiar rims could be a real issue. Certainly should be. We're going to get out there and play, and it's we're going to bring a really good effort. Uh, rebounding is just really kind of done by committee. Justin Edwards pulling down a ton of for him. Trey Mitchell, 29 boards on the offensive side. I mean, it's just – we're going to earn it. I mean, it's, it's as simple as I can make it. We're going to earn this thing. And, um, you know, Mitchell, just an absolute rebounding machine, man. Absolute rebounding machine. So, I, I don't know what you're expecting tonight, but we're going to need to play one of our better games of the season in order to make this thing happen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're going to have to go out there and play to the best of our ability uh, to win this ball game. Now, looking around the Southeastern Conference, it's, uh, you know, we talked about Alabama, Missouri last night uh, and the Nate Oates scandal. Again, I'm just not a, not a fan of that at all. You, you don't put your hands on other people. But, uh, you know, looking at the schedule, Last night, Tennessee gets Florida 85-66 in Knoxville, Alabama 93-75 winners in Tuscaloosa. South Carolina loses at home to Georgia 74-69. That South Carolina loss just looks worse and worse by the day. And Arkansas has been so bad in conference play, but they find a way to win last night 78-77 over a very good A&M team. The rest of the league in action tonight – Mississippi State, of course, at Kentucky. Ole Miss is at LSU. Auburn is at Vanderbilt. 
be a doubleheader. You watch the game on ESPN, too, then flip over to the network and watch Auburn and Vanderbilt. And uh, you may have seen uh, Jerry Stackhouse's comments about Ole Miss over the weekend, calls them the best team that money can buy. The difference is now it's legal, right? It's incredible the things that uh, the conversations we're having today that five years ago would have felt completely taboo for us. Look at the standings as we get uh, finally get rolling here. Alabama, you know, we talked about them when they were 6-5, and five, thinking, hey, it's not the same Alabama team. I, I wasn't certain that they were going to turn this thing around. They've won six in a row now. They're 4-0 in the conference, uh, 4-0 and ready to kind of, you know, show that they're for real. And I think that's maybe that makes us feel a little bit better about that last game against them, that Alabama has played as well as they have. Auburn's 3-0, 14-2 overall. Tennessee 3-1, Georgia 3-1, Ole Miss 2-1, Kentucky 2-1, LSU 2-1. South Carolina now 2-2, and and then Mississippi State 1-2, Florida 1-3, Arkansas 1-3, A&M 1-3, Missouri 0-4, Vanderbilt 0-3. So we're just kind of getting rolling here, but, uh, you know, the race in many respects is starting to kind of take shape. And he said, Steve, you know, we're just four games into it. You know, you know how this thing goes, though. Now, look at Auburn right now. They've won nine games in a row. Do you want to play Auburn right now? I don't know that I do. And they're not nearly as good offensively as some other teams in this league. But defensively, they're legit. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You know, that, That's the thing that I think about with all this is, like, you, you begin to develop an identity. We've gone through the non-conference, uh, you know, almost four games in for everybody now, and you kind of have, have an idea of who is what. You know, the net's still pretty favorable for Mississippi State, but uh, you know, we got, we got to win some games. And how big would it be to get a win in Kentucky tonight? I, I just don't see it. I didn't see it against Tennessee either. But I know this. I know that in, in any given night in this league, anybody can win. Absolutely anybody can win. And uh, we're capable. Of, are, we, are we good enough to go up and win it, Rupp? Yeah, I think we are. I don't expect it. But if we go up there and stay out of foul trouble, I think we can rebound with them. And it's going to boil down to can we make some shots beyond the arc and can we defend the perimeter? I think that's where the game is going to be ultimately won and lost. Can we force them into some contested shots? If we're going to sit back and let guys as talented as Kentucky just kind of pitch and shoot, it's going to be a long night for us. But uh, you know Chris Jans always has a plan. Chris and his staff do a great job. Uh, scouting their opponents, that they kind of know what's happening. Now, can we execute the game plan? That's the real question. But, yeah, it'd be huge for us to win this game. I'm just not expecting it. I, I'm not. And uh, we really needed to get a split in these first four. Of course, if you win this one, all of a sudden you feel pretty good about life. Because the schedule, even though, you know, listen, it's the SEC. There's no off nights here. But uh, things begin to kind of ease up a little bit for us. And so you begin to think, hey, you got a chance to do some good things here with men's basketball. But um, excited to see. And, of course, the, again, the ladies in action tomorrow night. So you get the Bulldogs on the road tonight against Kentucky, the women at home tomorrow night against Tennessee. Uh, if you're in the greater Golden Triangle area, we encourage you to come out and support the ladies. be great to see you there. be a huge win for the Bulldogs if we can find a way to get that thing done. But, um, Again, I feel good about our team. I'm not ready by any stretch of the imagination to just kind of give up on the season, and nor should you. I think we're going to look up around the midway point and feel pretty good about where we stand. 
we've got a good team, we've got a veteran team, we've got a great coaching staff. And that once we get through this Kentucky trip, I think things are going to ease up. up. We can go on a bit of a run. That's kind of how I feel. I think many of you probably feel the same way. And we discussed this earlier in the week. And there's a lot of those times, too, it's like we, we get so excited and we think, okay, here it is, now we go, and then we don't come. And then people wonder about attendance. You know, we've got to be able to consistently win some ball games. And I'm a Bulldog fan through and through. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for – you know, the commitment that our coaches and players make for this. And, uh, you know, our attendance is always important. But I'm not going to sit here and crowd shame people when it's like, hey, I get so excited for this, and we come up there and we sell out to Humphrey Coliseum, and then we lose. Well, that's part of competition. And if you wanted us just to come see a game that you felt guaranteed to win, you probably should have came in a non-conference. But, uh, again, I'm not going to crowd shame anybody. It's your money. It's your time. It's your effort. And it's also your team. But we want you to be here as often as you can be. All right, final segment of the show. Brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Google is your friend. And when you Google the Stark Vegas Clubhouse, their Facebook page will pop up and you can go peruse the selections of every amenities that are available to you. Five bedrooms, couple bathrooms, that great fire pit outside, that big, big back porch. Man, you can sit out there and just kind of relax. May not be porch weather right now, but uh, when you get ready to come for be a ball game weekend, or or perhaps a situation where you've got the um, a work group coming to town, everybody can congregate under one roof. Uh, book through the Evolve website; we can save you ten percent. Go to Stark Vegas Clubhouse and then Google that, and then book through Evolve and use promo code BSR10 to save ten percent off your stay. You'll be glad you did. All right, we have not received official confirmation yet of all of our spring enrollees. However, these are the names that I have kind of put together. Of course, all 15 of your transfers uh, are in town, ready to roll, and I assume they're studying remotely. Uh, You can't word a little while ago that historical schools are going to be closed the rest of the week. A lot of driveways and, uh, you know, smaller thoroughfares are still – iced over and a little bit uh, dangerous but uh, most of your transfers have been here for some time uh, that's Blake Shapin quarterback from Baylor Kedrick Bingley Jones defensive lineman from North Carolina Ethan Miner from North Texas Mikaelin Pounders of course from Memphis Justin Ball tight end from Vanderbilt Cameron Ball tight end uh, from Buffalo uh, Travion Wright they call him Trey out of Memphis Suleiman Paca from Purdue, offensive lineman Marlon Martinez, Kelly Akari, wide receiver out of UTEP, uh, Zach Haynes, a punter from New Mexico State, uh, Cliff Odom, of course, was involved with special teams there, brought Zach with him, Kevin Coleman from Louisville, wide receiver, Stone Blanton, linebacker from South Carolina, uh, Wilkie Donata, defensive end from Auburn, and Jacoby Jackson. So those 15 transfers all on track, Expected to be announced. And then from there, you've got six junior college guys. Brylon Lanier did not sign in the early signing period, and he doesn't have to sign. Now he can just enroll, sign his Southeastern Conference uh, financial aid agreement, and that will all be handled, uh, you know, as as part of his enrollment. But we expect him and Marcus Ross, uh, no problem. Marcus did sign in December, along with Johnny Daniels, running back from Colin. Edge rusher Ashawn Shepard, a guy that some people tell me that's kind of 
maybe better than his offer sheet shows. We'll see. Buddy Stevens thinks that he's a guy that can play in the NFL someday. Brandon Jennings, linebacker from Hines Community College. Tyler Woodard, a safety. It seems like Tyler has been a part of uh, Mississippi State's recruiting conversation now for for three or four years. But uh, Tyler now finally here. Now, in addition to that, uh, as of uh, Monday or Tuesday, I was told it was 28. I'm hearing it might actually be 29 spring enrollees. Uh, So who could that be? Well, Jimothy Lewis, a December graduate, uh, I've got a, a message into his coach right now, had to go through media relations through IMG. You know, I've been doing these uh, coach speak articles, kind of getting you some insight from their coaches on what to expect from them as players. And, of course, those are always good news articles. But uh, uh, spoke to uh, Coach Miller earlier today. He had me go through Alex, their media relations person, I've spoken with Alex, and I'm just waiting for Coach Miller to call me. Not sure when that's going to be. Now, Braylon Burnside, there was some discussion that he may be an early graduate. I was told this week not to expect him until this summer. So, some question, I guess, there. I was told back during the season that he would be a May graduate. And then at the Under Armour game, there was discussion that he was going to be a January enrollee guy. I know they'd love to have him here. So I, I don't totally rule that out, but I'm not expecting him to be announced as part of your spring enrollment. Now, J.J. Harrell is here, and uh, we expect big things from him. Michael Van Buren, quarterback from St. Francis Academy, is here. Had a chance to uh, speak to his coach, uh, Masai Haley, Man- Haley Merriam, or Hale Merriam, Haley Merriam. You have to forgive me. You know I'm not great at those names, but uh, – Mike is here, ready to go. Uh, basically, the interview with his coach was almost like a you know commercial for St. Francis Academy, as somebody pointed out. They have had some big, big years at St. Francis Academy, one of the, the national programs that plays all over the country. So Mike has played against a very good brand of competition. We expect him to really push this summer. Um, don't expect him to play this year, but I do think Mike is a guy that uh, we're going to be glad had a, the benefit of spring practice. Now, Mario Craver was not a name I was given on Tuesday, but I spoke to his coach today, Coach Gilmer, over at Clay Chalkville, and uh, Mario is in Starkville. He said, I don't know about the weather, if he's all officially moved in, but, uh, yeah, he graduated in December, ready to go. Terrence Sibler expected to be a May graduate. T.J. Lockhart and Fred Clark at Winona, they don't allow early graduation at Winona. Uh, so both of those guys, you know, playing basketball, they'll go through some spring sports, and then they'll join the team in June. Uh, the same for Xavier Gate, out of Brookhaven. Jacory Whited, uh, out of McAdory, also expected to be a spring graduate. Uh, Jatavius Johnson, now I don't know if you guys know this, but Jatavius Johnson is known as Boogie Johnson. Let me give you a little background here. When we talk about these coach speak articles, usually what happens is I call a coach, he gets on the phone for about 10 minutes, and he tells me all these glowing things about his players. Jatavius Johnson's coach was traveling to Arizona. They had some weather concerns. We just couldn't get together. And so he texted me and said, hey, can you just send me the questions? And then he said, hey, rather than you just text them to me, why don't you email them to me and I'll just answer them? And I thought, well, we're kind of going the long way around here, but okay, we'll do it. Guys, his coach, Coach Birdwell, sent me a novel about Boogie Johnson. If you're a Jeans Page subscriber, you can go read that. But uh, 
pretty incredible story about Jatavius Johnson. You know, he's just a guy that uh, he guys he grew eight inches between his sophomore and junior year. Then his junior year, you know, he had to learn to play at a new you know, new playing weight. You know, ha- had to develop some dexterity, and he really blossomed as a senior, kind of a late bloomer. But so were his brothers. He had another brother older than him that grew seven inches between his sophomore and junior year. Ended up being the leading rusher uh, there at Hooks High School. And so it wasn't you know completely out of the realm of possibility that uh, Boogie Johnson was going to grow. But more importantly, all these discussions with Coach about this is the kind of young man that, like, when he sees – he goes by the grocery store and there's somebody's elder, elderly citizens are putting their clothes or their groceries up, he'll stop and do it for them. In addition to that, it said Thursday night, he, he loves being around the game and around the sport, and he would go for the middle school game and then work the concession stand for free when things got busy. Uh, a guy that I think is going to do a really good job for us. Ricky Johnson, also a, a late signee for State, expected to be a, a May graduate and a summer enrollment guy. This is a guy, too, that was uh, committed to Stanford and just you know really wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And uh, give Coach Bumpus a lot of credit for staying on him. We had him here for a June camp, and we, we felt really good about him. And then you know, two days later, he commits to Stanford. And that commitment lasted all the way up to NAFL signing day. But, uh, you know, State gets him in on an official visit just before uh, things change. You know, geography played a factor, the chance to play in the SEC. Uh, he's a big family guy, got a younger brother that he's really, really close with. Uh, but we do expect him to be, uh, you know, a May graduate. Luke Work, one of the first commitments in his class. So still waiting to hear back from his coach as well. But, um, you know, Luke is a guy, again, that uh, was born to be a Bulldog. It was just going to be a matter if he had enough talent. Also an early enrollment guy. Uh, Kyle McClendon, again, a late bloomer, a guy that uh, a coaching change in his high school really changed the trajectory of his recruitment. Uh, He was a guy that uh, wanted to play offensive line. They flipped him over to defensive line, got really committed to the weight room, really changed his body, and as a result, he was even more explosive. Excited about him. Elijah Cannon, another early enrollment guy. Uh, a guy that his coach believes that he is going to play in the National Football League someday. He said if he works hard and stays healthy, Coach Gianni Sloan of Coconut Creek High, Coconut Creek High School says this is a guy that's capable of going pro. That's how good he is. And he's a guy too. Corey Bell found him pretty early. Corey Bell was at FAU. Coach Sloan, a graduate of FAU, so a lot of very positive FAU influence in his life. And then when Corey gets a job here and finds out we need corners, he goes, hey, I know a guy. Next thing you know, Elijah Cannon's on a visit. He really basically was ready to commit before he even took the trip, a chance to play in the Southeastern Conference. But uh, 6'1", 170 pounds, probably needs a red shirt year to get a little bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, but we're excited about him, to say the least. Marcus Ross, another guy that uh, I mentioned to him as a – a junior college grad, mid-year transfer. Going to need these linebackers to step up and do a good job. But you think about what we've lost, and you bring in Jennings and Ross and Blanton, and uh, those are some guys that have done some pretty big things in their careers. So we've got numbers. We've got pieces. And then there's Cyrus Reyes. Uh, Cyrus Reyes, of course, a guy that committed to Memphis. Uh, a, a very, very big get for Coach Barnes at the time at Memphis, and then he brings him with him. And, again, I think with so many of those guys going in the portal – we had to kind of figure this thing out. Now, 
So in Frisco McGee is the guy that's going to announce with his teammates here in a couple of weeks. Some people have asked some questions here as of late. And what's really going on with him? He's fine. His coach told me they're, uh, you know, they're good to go. You know, it's just a matter of he wanted to have the ceremony with his with his friends, and uh, and he'll do that. I don't know if we're going to provide coverage of it or not. We we know where he's headed, but uh, he again will be a summer enrollment guy. So you start thinking about this class as it stands right now. 21 official signees, and you have three more guys that are committed. Two of those three we expect to sign in the days and weeks to come. That takes you to 23. Then there's 15 transfers. Gives you 38 new Bulldogs in this class so far. Now, a lot of discussion, too, about you know what's happening in the portal. Now, we still need a couple guys in the portal. We still need an edge in the portal. And that means... Could it be an Alabama player? Could it be an Arizona player? Could it be a Washington player? Uh, could it be somebody else that just goes in the portal as a grad transfer? Could it be somebody that goes in during the April window? I don't know. But one of the things that I think is rather interesting is you look at the metamorphosis of what's happening with Alabama right now. Right? Alabama, of course, has the coaching change, so then their players have 30 days. And many of them are taking full advantage of that. A lot of people are talking about all the guys that have gone pro, all the guys that have transferred. Here's the rest of that story. So now Alabama has to make these decisions about how to replace these transfers with a pretty depleted talent pool in the transfer portal, right? They didn't get to compete with all of us with these same numbers because of the fact that they didn't ever gonna have a coaching change. Guys, as it stands today, you've got 28 outgoing transfers from Alabama. 28. And now you're gonna to have to replace them based on what's in the portal now. There's not a lot in the portal because most everybody made their decision and then enrolled for spring classes. And of course, you places like Ole Miss starting school a little bit later. That can sometimes be a blessing and a curse. And so now the coaches at Alabama, so does Caleb DeBoer just take a bunch of guys from Washington with him to Alabama? And so that's an interesting dynamic with this. Okay, yeah, we've had the coaching change. We want to free these guys up to go somewhere else. Well, they can. But how does Alabama replace them with, um, with comparable players? That's a really interesting question. The same thing can be said for Washington. The same thing can be said for Arizona. And, of course, Jed Fish headed to Washington will likely bring some Arizona Wildcats with them. And, of course, Arizona recently just hired the coach from San Jose State, so now their players can go on the portal too. So it's kind of a little bit of a fruit basket turnover here, but you have some immediate needs at Alabama, and you don't have the traditional talent pool in the portal to pull from because everybody's already in school. Think about that for a second. What does that mean for the Alabama roster kind of moving forward? What does it mean for Kalen DeBoer? They've already had some recruits that have decommitted. What does that mean for year one for Alabama? Okay, you're already losing Nick Saban, the greatest football coach the college ranks have ever seen. And now I've got to implement new systems, install offenses and defenses, and yes, I'm going out doing a great job. I got Maurice Lindquist to come in. I got Cade Womack to come in. These guys are former G5 head coaches that are coming to Alabama now. 
And so you begin to kind of work through all that. Yes, we've got great coaches. However, our roster is somewhat depleted. And yes, we're Alabama. And traditionally, you just say an offer from Alabama means everything. Well, the value of that offer has been lessened a little bit now because Nick Saban's not there to facilitate the, quote, process. And so now you're out here chasing the leftovers in the portal. And listen, there may be some other guys that will pop up. But that's an interesting aspect of it. You know, what's next? But that's the thing you begin to think about. What's the quality of the Alabama roster next year with all these players going in the portal? And, and there are a ton of them. We mentioned 28. I mean, Caden Proctor, a guy that was one of the most highly rated offensive linemen in his class, well, he's already left and gone to Iowa. Caleb Downs, another five-star safety. We'd love to have him. He's in the portal. Trey Amos, a cornerback out of Alabama, in the portal. Amari Nilblack, tight end, in the portal. Sean Murphy's headed to Florida State. Antonio Kite's headed to Auburn. And that was an interesting conversation we had earlier. Is you know, the SEC has a January 2nd deadline. Of course, things change now with Alabama players. Now, like other players in the Southeastern Conference can't commit to us, but Alabama players could. You look at Des Ricks headed to A&M, and Isaiah Bond, Kendrick Blackshear both headed to Texas. Jake Pope, a tackle, excuse me, a safety headed to Georgia. Royale Williams headed to Florida State. You got some walk-on guys too, but you know it's it's a big number here. Shaz Preston, our friend, the younger brother of Sean Preston, headed to Tulane. Back home in many respects, but you start looking through this, and this Alabama roster. When you begin to think about the NFL declarations and now the portal on top of it, over half their roster is gone. And you've got to go back now and try to replace those guys with kind of what's left. So I think you're going to see Alabama kind of come back to the pack next year. Of course, we don't play them next year. It's funny how that always works, right? It's like the Alamakeen curse lives. But Mississippi State's needs not nearly as severe as what you have at Alabama, but we have the ability to go out and sign some Alabama players. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens now. What happens with Greg Sankey? The Greg Sankey, I believe, has always been a man of character. I think he's handled things evenly. You know, the, the, the rule is this. To transfer within the conference, you got to do it by January 2nd. It used to be February 3rd. They changed it this year. Do, do we all of a sudden step in now for Alabama and say, okay, we're going to give you guys some waivers through the SEC office? Does that happen? Would that be fair play? I would venture to say no. But if you're on the Alabama side of this thing, you start thinking, well, you know, there's other guys in the SEC that are still in the portal. But the question that I have is they're still in the portal right now. Are they capable of playing at a high level at your program? There's a lot to unpack here because every year something new happens that necessitates a new policy or new legislation. Those are the things that I think about. So what will happen here? I, sus- I suspect that everybody else in the conference would be like, no, 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 no. Alabama knew. Alabama also uh, waited to announce Nick Saban's retirement the day that spring classes began. So there was early enrollment, guys would have to go in the portal. They couldn't just ask out of their national letter of intent, which they could get out of that just by asking for the release. By rule, they have to release them. But once they're enrolled, it's a different dynamic. 
some more complicated things. So do you want to use your one-time transfer exception, you know, a week into your time at Alabama? You know, I don't know. That's a big gamble. But, again, this process begins, continues to evolve for us. But, yeah, we still need to get a couple guys. We could use a DB for sure. We could use an edge rusher for sure. I think we're good on offense. I think we feel good about where we are on offense. We start working through this now. You feel good about linebackers. But uh, the secondary, again, for the second straight year, is going to be a work in progress. And then on top of that, you've got a defensive front that maybe doesn't generate the pass rush when you just send four like you'd hope. And so that leaves a leaky secondary out there having to cover. So that's the real challenge for Coach Levy and staff right now is can we pick up a couple of pieces I'll be honest with you, I think if I'm Mississippi State right now, based on what's still available in the portal, I think I just wait for April. I do. And you say, what, Steve, you know, how quickly can they learn our schemes? Well, if you're getting college-level guys that have already got multiple years of experience on, on Division One level, uh, the learning curve isn't quite as steep. Ideally, you'd like to have your team here for spring, and Jeff Labby has said as much. But as far as like a rush end – I mean, you know, how much do you need to learn as a rush hit? How much do you need to learn as a safety? Now, we, we may run 20 coverages out there. And so there's going to be a lot of, you know, classroom work and things like that. But if you have a guy that has played in all these schemes before, it's just a matter of him getting up to your terminology and, and getting your play calling down. I'd, again, ideally you like him here for the spring, but it's not a situation where if you take a transfer in June, he's not going to be able to play at a high level. Again, these are veteran guys. So, but it appears for now we're at a point we can kind of exhale a little bit. You know, classes again started on Tuesday, which is yesterday uh, for us. And so guys are here. They may not have actually set foot in an actual classroom. And it just got word that uh, Mississippi State will resume uh, in-person instruction tomorrow on Thursday. But once they're here, they're here. Once you're enrolled – you're enrolled. And uh, so that, that aspect of it's important. So we expect an official release probably tomorrow. I was told earlier today it's probably not going to happen today because compliance is still working through a couple things. One of these deals where you just, you know, you're just working through this and just kind of waiting on the thumbs up, you know, from, um, from the NCAA clearinghouse. That's really what it boils down to. It doesn't appear to be a situation where, you know, we're worried about anybody. It's just a matter of, of the proper paperwork being processed. But, again, 28, I was told 28 on Monday. Yeah, on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday morning. It all runs together, right? I was told yesterday morning it's 28, and then Mario Craver wasn't in that number, and now I'm told that he is. So either, some, either it is 28 and somebody that I was expecting is not going to enroll for the spring up from the high school ranks, or there'll be 29. But uh, we'll keep you apprised of it over at jeanspage.com. And, again, we've got a story ready to go. We're just waiting for official confirmation. We don't want to put something out there, and then then all of a sudden the university puts out something, that, and we're incorrect, right? The university is going to know exactly who's been cleared. We don't want to just jump out there and see, expect these guys to be here because there may be something we don't know. And then all of a sudden, we've got to take it back. Oh, well, there's just that. Then, then all of a sudden, people get worried. And so we don't want to just set a bad uh, precedent here by putting something out there before it's ready. So 
uh, that's kind of where we stand. If you haven't done so, go to windabottomfalls.com. You can get the new book, Windabottom Falls. All my sports titles are there, too. That includes Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Dogpile. Every Bulldog deserves a copy of Dogpile, whether you read or not. You need to have that book just for posterity's sake. Because at one point, your children or your grandchildren are going to want to hear about the NAFL championship. And you've got a complete accord to chronicle the whole thing. But you need to have that yourself. You know, we've had a couple lean years of baseball. And so it's be nice to kind of go back and relive that. And, um, again, we're going to be talking more baseball as we move ahead here. Uh, of course, the D1 baseball rankings are out. Mississippi State nor Ole Miss is included. Probably the first time in a long time that both Mississippi schools were unranked, right, as far as preseason polls go. You know, down the stretch last year, neither one of us were ranked, nor do we deserve to be. But going to be an interesting year. And uh, it's interesting, you know, some people talk about Lamonas, you know, and uh, we all know what's at stake this year. I mean, I don't need to kind of spell it out for you. Chris needs to have a good year. But what about up in Oxford? You know, a year removed from a NAFL championship, there were a lot of people that wanted to get rid of Mike, and then lo and behold, he wins a NAFL championship and kind of sticks a middle finger up at everybody. And then last year, they should have been better. They weren't. Had some injuries. And then now all of a sudden they go on the portal and have to kind of rebuild a roster. And so now people are like, you know, what happens this year? The difference with Lamonis and Bianco, and of course familiarity breeds contempt. You know, Lam- Bianco had been there forever, and we'd been to Omaha more times than he had under Lamonis. And so Lamonis had some recent currency kind of built up. Bianco didn't. And then they get hot and they win the whole thing. And it's like, okay, now we're relaxed. And then you're right back to where you were. As a matter of fact, in a worse situation than where you were. And people forget they were the last team in the tournament in 2022, and they got hot at the right time. And as Ron Polk has said many times, you don't always have to be the best team. You just got to be the hottest team. And they were down the stretch. You go back and look, you know, just, just found some lightning on the mound. And so what happens this year? You know, what if State has a good year and Ole Miss doesn't? Do we see change in Oxford? Do they have a retirement at Oxford? Does Mike Bianco get fired? I don't, I don't know. But we're about a month away now. Yeah, we're about a month away, so we're going to be uh, kind of breaking down some things here on the show. I love talking baseball with you guys. And uh, let, me, let me remind you of this. And listen to me. There are a lot of people that love baseball that don't know baseball. And there are going to be a lot of people on our message board and others and social media and things like that They're going to have a lot to say about baseball because of their love for the game. That doesn't mean they know the game, right? There's going to be a lot of people that know the game, but sometimes, like myself, sometimes we even lose objectivity. But one of the things that I have learned about this is that when we're winning, none of that matters. But when we're losing, all of a sudden, it's like we find people to support our narrative. It's like I remember last year when we went to Kentucky. uh, Dana went with me. And uh, she went up there, and, and I had to give her, she had her jacket, and I had to give her my jacket to go take pictures in addition. That's how windy and cold it was. And on that Sunday, it was miserable. And I remember on the way back, everybody's like, Mona's getting fired. And then all of a sudden, all these, quote, sourced reports are popping up. I talked to this guy, you know. Well, none of it was true. None of it was true. And there was no accountability for any of those people that said that. Do you remember that? I haven't forgotten. 
Now, of course, I go talk to my sources and say, you know, no, we're not making a coaching change this year. Eventually, went and sat down with Zach Selman. He said as much. But nobody, there was never any accountability for those guys that were telling you the wrong information. You say, yeah, Steve, things changed. No, they didn't. They never changed. And so I, I say that as, as we get into this. Number one, I hope we don't have to have this conversation. But the rest of that story is that this is going to be a team that is capable of getting into the postseason, and I think with enough pitching, uh, maybe beyond that. You know, maybe you find yourself in a super somewhere. But the reality of it is we all love Mississippi State baseball. And the bad takes don't matter when we're winning. But they become an irritant when we're losing. Because we love baseball so much. We love Mississippi State so much. When, when people talk negatively, they're talking about us. And that's how we take it. And there are some people, of course, you know, when we start to lose, they become these uh, arms-linked fans, right? It's true. That's how it, and it's, it's a coping mechanism, right? It's like, well, this, you know, I don't really care about that. Now, when, when we win, of course, we, we welcome them right back into the fold. I got no beef with any of our fans. I love all of our fans, even the ones that don't love me. You don't have to like me. You know, just you know, keep giving to the Bulldog Club, keep giving to the Bulldog Initiative, keep buying tickets, buying Mississippi State merchandise. We're good. Fine with me. I get to do what I love for a living, right? And many of you pay me for it. And, and so what am I ever complaining about? But my, my point being is that as we get into this, this season, there's going to be a lot of people that have a lot to say. And many of those people – won't be going to baseball media. They won't be going to ball games, or uh, they won't be around the team except when it's convenient for them. And so I just tell you, don't listen to any of these, quote, source reports. Just don't. Let's just go enjoy baseball season. I think it's going to be a much better year. Now, I thought last year was going to be a better year. We had some injuries too, but we were also ineffective. But we also had guys like, you know, Nate Dahlman that showed up and pitched well for us, you know. Uh, we had Dakota Jordan, of course, take over uh, in left, and that was really more of because of the fact that's where we had a spot. He's a right fielder, and he'll play right field. Bryce Chance probably going to be your left fielder. Connor Isaac, center fielder. That's how it looks today. Uh, but we got some guys that can swing it. We got some guys that can throw it. I'm, I'm eager to see what Kyle Stevens does. You know, ready to see what Carson Ligon can do. And we were careful with him in the fall. So we've committed – you know, the portal spots, and we've committed the, uh, the you know, what, the resources necessary to kind of retool this pitching staff. Well, we missed out on a couple guys, too. But when you talk to people about Justin Parker, they'll tell you it's a new day, and, and we're going to really depend on that. That's it for today, man. We'll be back on Friday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.